Hi guys, it's Montel here and welcome to my new podcast. And each weekday we're going to focus in on an issue or issues in the news that I think deserve a little bit more attention than are given in the mainstream media. And today I'm going to be joined by my senior advisor, Mr. Jonathan Franks, who's going to be with us sometimes when I do this, as we take a look at how the politicization of the military has been happening. And one thing is clear from Trump's presidency so far that his words often don't match his actions with respect to our military. Aside from the sideshow antics, Trump has exhibited a troubling pattern of politicizing the military, and it's becoming dangerous. I'm going to read you something from an article. I'm going to read you part of this, maybe this whole article here, because I really found this fascinating. The article is in the uh, Pentagon and Congress uh, newspaper, and it's called Russian Bounties on American Troops farther strain Trump's bond with veterans. And this is by Stephen Peoples and Blake Morgan, the Associated Press, and, uh, I'm sorry, Sarah Blake Morgan of Associated Press. And the article reads as follows. They didn't like it when then-candidate Donald Trump criticized John McCain for being captured in combat. They were angrier when Trump, as commander-in-chief, abandoned the Kurdish allies in the Middle East. And they were upset again last month when he threatened to deploy the troops against American protesters. Trump's relationship with the nation's military community has been frequently strained. But just four months before the November elections, reports that he either ignored or was unaware of the Russian plot to kill U.S. troops could intensify the tension and create new political risk. Quote, I don't think he cares about troops at all, said Sean Lamond, a Navy veteran who served his country in the Middle East and then his state in North Carolina as a Republican legislator. If he didn't know about Russia, it's because he didn't do his damn homework. And that's despicable, end quote. And after sitting out the 2016 election, Lamont has withdrawn from the Republican Party and plans to vote for Trump's Democratic opponent, Joe Biden, this fall. It's difficult to gauge how widespread Lamont's sentiment is among veterans, but there is a significant you know, outcry this week from the collection of retired servicemen, elected officials in both parties, and families of fallen soldiers who have lost confidence in the president's commitment to the military and to troops. That's just four weeks after former Trump Defense Secretary John Mattis, Marine Corps General, described the president as a threat to the Constitution. Any erosion of Trump and Trump's support from the national security community, long a pillar of the GOP base, could damage his reelection prospects particularly in swing states with large concentrations of veterans like Florida, Virginia, and North Carolina. Representative Richard Hudson, a Republican from North Carolina, whose district includes Fort Bragg, acknowledged that the troubling nature of the revelations. But like many other Republicans in Capitol Hill, he sidestepped Trump's role. These are 
there is no consensus on the intelligence yet as Fort Bragg congressman as a Fort Bragg congressman I'm deeply troubled by the reports he said and if there are verified if they're verified to be true I believe there needs to be swift and severe consequences on Russia well and I could read more and more of this article but I want to stop right there for just a second and say that it's really crazy how all of a sudden after you know, 40 years of building an intelligence community in the United States of America that really had no peer in the world, all of a sudden, our intelligence is supposedly so bad just because Donald Trump walked in office. And our intelligence was so bad because it was calling him out on his relationship with our Cold War adversary who was the longest running Cold War adversary we had. I mean, I let, let, let's stop for a second. I got to talk about the fact that, you know, I served in the U.S. military and I entered in 1974, enlisted in the Marine Corps. You know, I, I spent, you know, two years in the Marine Corps as an enlisted man, got meritorious promoted three times, really two times from the rank of PFC to Lance Corporal and then picked up Corporal before I transitioned out the next day and did a lateral transfer from the Marine Corps to the Navy to enter the Naval Academy in 1976. Entered Naval Academy in 1976, graduated in 1980. I, uh, during my stint at the Naval Academy, I took Chinese as my language. And, you know, upon my graduation, which was mired in a medical controversy because I probably was dis displaying some of the first signs of MS. Uh, my, uh, I'm one of the only people in the history of the United States Naval Academy to walk across the stage, receive his diploma on graduation day, throw my hat in the air and not be commissioned that day because I was placed on medical hold. Uh, and this is, been, you're talking about 1980, back in a time when, you know, we knew very, very little about MS. And so, you know, the idea of an African-American male at the age of 24 or 23 having MS was really just absurdity when almost all the medical journals back then stated that MS was a disease that afflicted mostly Caucasian women of Northern European descent. So I was put on a medical hold for eight months or six months. And then once that medical hold was, was dropped, I was then commissioned and my date of commissioning was set retroactive with my class. And be, but because of my infirmity, which was I went blind and uh, half blind in my left eye, and some of that vision has returned, and had a huge scotoma, scotoma in my left eye, and various other issues, neurological issues. I was not allowed to be commissioned as a regular line officer in the Marine or in the Marine Corps. And because your vision has to be correctable, twenty twenty, I was forced to be commissioned as a naval officer, and I was given only two choices: either one as a cryptological direct support officer or cryptological officer. And my commission reads special duty cryptologic officer. Uh, and I was commissioned as that rather than a pig and supply corps. But I went off immediately and started working in the Cold War. War, uh, you know, the Cold War. I, I went to the DLA, a defense logistics agency in linguistics agency in Monterey, California, where I received a degree in Russian and studied the Russian problem and then spent my entire commission active duty time you know, as a, what's called a direct support cryptological officer working on 
pretty much for the entire time, almost the entire time, from nearly 93 through, I'm sorry, 83 through the time that I came off active duty, I served at the National Security Agency and was deployed out of the National Security Agency there on multiple submarine trips where I was the cryptologic direct support officer, OIC, of a debt that was put on to submarines that literally helped to augment the captain's intelligence capability on board a ship and was, you know, tasked with operating in most of the in operations that were closest to wartime that we had at the time. And also was deployed on surface ships. I was actually, you know, uh, deployed in the Hicalisco Bay between Nicaragua and Salvador and came across from there and actually was on island during the parts of the invasion in Grenada and served as a cryptologic direct support officer there. And, you know, I, studied and worked in intelligence and worked in a community where I'm here to tell you that contrary to popular belief that there might be some issue with our intelligence community in the United States military, there is zero. I mean, no one questioned the information and the data and the collection techniques and how we achieve some of the reports that we were able to achieve through the national security agency. This is probably one of the top, with no peer on the planet, uh, organizations that collects intelligence on a daily basis, every second of the day. And then now all of a sudden, we have a president who seems to believe that intelligence only works when he thinks it works, when it's only good for him and not good for our nation. And let's talk about the fact that, you know, this whole idea that for over a year, our warfighters in theater believed the intelligence that, yes, in fact, the Russians had put bounties out on American troops in Afghanistan so that they can make any discussions about a withdrawal more difficult for the United States and just really just wreak havoc in our international policy. And for the president to say, first, that he didn't know anything about it, but now we've been, it's been proven that he was briefed on this back in 2019 directly. And it was in part of his briefing materials that he either chose to not look at seriously or chose to not care about. And one must question now, finally, you know, there's always been the smoking gun as to, or people have been looking for the smoking gun as to why does he, you know, subjugate himself to Putin I think this validates the fact that there must be something that the Russians have been holding over his head that he just will not allow anyone to see or know. And he will not hold the Russians accountable for anything, no matter what the intelligence says. He's never going to hold them accountable because, you know, he's got some nefarious ongoing things going on that maybe now, I guess, recently because of uh, the recent revelation that at least the Supreme Court has now ordered that the president's tax returns at least be seen by you know, the Southern District of New York's court. Maybe we'll start to see what some of those things are that have been held over his head. But for the fact that the, the president claimed that the intelligence wasn't reliable, I claim BS. 
The intelligence is reliable. Our intelligence organization understands unequivocally what they intercept and how they gain glean data. I'm not going to go into methods and, 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 and the way we actually get intelligence, but they must have known for a fact for our warfighters in theater to be reacting to that intelligence report that there were bounties now on soldiers' heads and had done so for a full year before the revelation became public. There must be good reason why that was done. And for our president to sit back now and say, oh, I don't believe it. I didn't think it was true. Stop. The stupid. I don't understand why we, in, as a nation, sit back and actually support a Benedict Arnold. I mean, you know, this is a guy who literally is going to allow another country to take bounties out on our soldiers, those who he claims he's done the most for of any president in history, which is another bald-faced lie. But we're going to sit back and accept that. It, it just completely blows my mind. I mean, and John, why don't you jump in here for a second, my friend? What do you think about the fact that so many people just completely, you know, allow him to get away with this comment, brush it off as well, you know, maybe he didn't read it the right way, and we should understand that because this man's the smartest man on the planet. You know, we know that now for a fact. I mean, I, I, I'm just appalled by, you know, especially the Republican response to this. Well, yeah, I mean, I, and I think part of the problem is they don't understand it, right? They don't understand intelligence gathering. They don't understand how the president is supposed to consume intelligence because it hasn't been an issue in any other presidency in my lifetime. It's in, it was in his brief. I think the date was October 27, 2019. He didn't read it because he doesn't read. And that's, you know, a bigger problem than anything else. But beyond that, he politicizes and makes everything about him. So, his briefers are reportedly hesitant to share with him bad news about Russia. And that may be part of this. They may have put it in the PDB, right? And not to inform the rest of the important players in government, knowing that he'd never read it. And, you know, so other decision makers were probably on this. And the president may very well have been blissfully unaware. Hey, which, which makes me, I, I just, I'm completely thrown by the idea that we have, a security council that will walk in the room with a person who calls himself the president of the United States. And remember the president of the United States gets a title called commander and chief. Mm -hmm. So he is supposedly the leader of our military. How we can think, I mean, it's unconscionable to me that we could believe that this man would sit in a room and someone said, um, uh, never mind. I'm afraid to tell the commander in chief who's responsible for the wealth, being and safety of all of our soldiers, sailors, airmen, coast guardsmen, and Marines across the globe. I'm afraid to tell him something because he might not want to hear it. Or he might yell at me. Or he might yell at me. And that's true. Cause I mean, there's been recent reports that have claimed that, you know, if ever you walk in that room and you say anything negative about China, about Russia, you're going to get, you know, two barrels shot, shot, shotgun blast at you. As far as, you know, I'm using that literally, uh, not literally, but I'm using that as an analogy. He's going to blast you for having the audacity of sort of said something unkind about his buddy. And you can't take you know, on I, new information. I, but I can't understand what what would be the breadth of what they have against him that he is so afraid will come to light that he would support the death of soldiers. 
I mean, you look at parents and people out there right now across this country who whose kids are thinking about and calling. I had, I had a, a relative call me in recent months and say, you know, my nephew, would you talk to him? Because he's thinking about applying to the Naval Academy. And I said to my you know, cousin, I said, sir, I will talk to him, but I'm going to tell you that I wouldn't recommend that right now to anybody. I can't recommend to, especially to a family member, to put a uniform right now, and especially a family member of color to put a uniform on right now, because you are literally, you have to remember that when you put that uniform on, it's not about, and go to the Naval Academy, it's not about just getting a four-year degree at one of the best colleges in the country. It's about taking an oath of office that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies foreign and domestic, and you will follow the orders of those people appointed over you. Well, those people over you are the orders of the president. And I could not, in good faith, recommend that a family member decide to follow the orders of this guy. Number one, especially someone who literally lied about having bone spurs so hard that he couldn't serve in the military, yet he can go play golf every single day uh, whenever he gets an opportunity. And he, remember, he complained about the fact that President Obama did so, and now we already know that he has played golf more days than any president in history has ever played golf. But his bone spurs don't hold him and hurt him enough right now carrying around at that, you know, probably extra 100 pounds that he's been carrying around. I don't know if it's 100 pounds, but extra 60 or 70 pounds that he carries around on his frame every day. Those bone spurs don't seem to stop that. But I guess that's what he would probably said was the reason for his such a cautious walk down the ramp after his speech in front of the soldiers at West Point, which he put in jeopardy by making them come back to listen to his ridiculousness and listen to him whine and complain the way he does now every single day. So we have not the commander-in-chief, we have the whiner-in-chief in office who is now designated to have the responsibility of protecting and defending the precious lives of the children that so many parents believe that when they send off to go to boot camp, they're going to be protected and defended by their commander in chief. And they're not. I mean, if you can't clearly see that this guy doesn't give a damn, I don't know how you do. I think the only thing he he believes in when it comes to the military is that, that he believes, you know, he, he's he's playing with little toy green soldiers that he used to play with when he was a kid. And he gets to go, bing, 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 shoot you, boop, 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 boop. You know, I mean, that's that's the way he, I think he thinks. But to actually believe that he believes in supporting and defending our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Coast Guard, and Marines, I think you're crazy if you believe that in any way, shape, or form. But now we look out across the military and, you know, though there may be a lot of people in the military who are now starting to question his true loyalty, I mean, there are so many who literally still believe that he really cares. Let me read some more of this article that I started reading. Again, this, this article is from Military Times. and. You know, it says American intelligence has assessed that Russia offered militants bounties to kill American troops in Afghanistan. Initial intelligence was shared with the White House and included in one of Trump's daily briefings back in 2019. In spite of that, Trump has maintained a warm relationship with Russian Russian President Vladimir Putin throughout his entire presidency knowing this for the last year that this was part of what he was briefed upon. 
And the White House initially said that Trump wasn't briefed on the intelligence. But then on Tuesday, White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany, who I think is an abomination, said Trump was indeed briefed. And though there were some reservations about the veracity of the allegations, make no mistake, the president will always protect American troops. Really? She said. And those words rang hollow to some who serve in the military, like Representative Paul Cook, a Republican from California, a Marine veteran who represents several military installations and is retiring at the end of the year. He said, I'm not really sure he absorbs a lot of this stuff. Cook told the Associated Press of reports that Trump has was briefed on the on the bounties. He'll probably he probably thinking he's probably thinking about polls, and of course you know he's probably thinking about polls right now. And Cook added, "I'm not going to be an apologist for Trump. Trump is Trump." Biden leaned into the debate on Tuesday, calling Trump administration handling of the Russian intelligence an absolute dereliction of duty, as he often does. Biden reflected on his own son's military service in Iraq, the deployment were even more personal for potential Biden running mate, Senator Tammy Duckworth, a former army lieutenant colonel who lost legs in a helicopter accident crash in Iraq. And I'm going to go away from the article for a second, who has now literally been besmirched by some clown on, you know, a, cable news network who wouldn't serve himself and had the audacity to call this woman a coward just because she wouldn't talk to him and his ugly butt, excuse me, there's no reason for her to have to talk to him and even have to justify her stand on anything to him other than the fact that this is another, this is a clown who thinks that he can be just as big a clown as a current clown and possibly run for office in 2024. And there are people who are backing up right now to maybe back this idiot. And for someone to, it's just like when, you know, I was one of the first people, I think, to actually publicly take a stand when Donald Trump took a shot at John McCain, you know, one of the most respected war veterans that we've ever had, and a guy who spent time as a POW, and this goofball had the audacity to say, well, I like people who don't get caught. And, well, he likes people who won't serve. He likes to be able to direct and be the guy in charge and not ever having put his foot or his body in a uniform. We know now that they don't have uniforms for the commander in chief because they couldn't make one big enough for his big butt to get into right this minute. So he won't be wearing a uniform anytime soon. But I find it just an abomination that at a time when America is literally at its gravest point in the last, I think, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. I mean, we're sitting at a time right now when any attack on any military, U.S. military base overseas would throw this country into, I think, the closest to actually the fall of America that we've ever been. And remember, you know, our military is made up of people 
of all different nationalities, all different ethnicities, and have served in our military with honor and distinction. And if all of a sudden people stop stepping up to the plate to raise their hand in the air to say that they want to be a part of this, how do we protect what we hold so dear and so precious here in America? I, I don't understand, especially how as a parent do you say to a child, yeah, I think you should go ahead and join and enlist. Are you kidding me? When you have a president that won't even stand up to a tyrant who right in open, in the open is saying, kill Americans on the battlefield. And the guy won't even make a statement about that. He won't even say, if it's true, I find that an abomination. He won't even make a statement. All he makes a statement is, no, 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 our intelligence has to be wrong. We got to be wrong. And continues to throw America under the bus. What do you think of that, John? Well, here's what, I mean, the Putin thing, I have an alternate theory on it, right? I think there's some good evidence that he has been obsessed with meeting and being friends with Putin since that beauty pageant he used to own was in Moscow, Miss, Miss Universe or Miss World, whatever it was. And, you know, that has continued, right? You, you hear the accounts of some of his phone calls with Putin. Same thing. He seems to be desperately chasing Putin's approval and friendship almost as a matter that his psyche needs it rather than sort of for some tactical or corrupt purpose, right? It's an ego thing. And he makes everything about him. So, you know, the military is one more entity to be arranged, another plaything for him to have for his amusement, right? And there's actually some good reporting that they're staging events for him, right? To make him happy, to improve his mood. And I think that's what's going on here. And that's the sickest part of ever, of of the whole thing. I mean, he, of course, is not standing up to Putin. He, he fancies that he wishes he could be Putin. And, you know, he's, he's, you know, obsessed hey, wait, with supporting Putin's let, approval. Let me jump in when you just say he wishes he could be Putin, because if you know, what a week ago, uh, around a week ago, Putin just made sure that he voted himself in and made sure he got voted in to be the uh, president now for, I guess, until 2034, 2034, so until he president died. for life. That's right. And how old would do you know how old he'll be in 2034? I don't remember, but last time I remember looking at it and thinking to myself, okay, this is a, a, a ploy to become president for life. And I think that's what it was. And, and we've, we've heard Trump say all along that he thinks that the two term limit to the presidency is ridiculous and he should be able to run again and get a third term and a fourth term. He thinks he wants to be president for life. Honestly, I think there's some evidence, you know, and people, Republican consultants have made the argument that Trump doesn't seem to be acting like he wants to win the election. Now, I think he does, right? His actions don't seem to correspond with the goal very well. Remember, when he ran, this was a marketing ploy. Oh, his family said it, his advisors have said it, he wanted to start Trump TV. So I'm not sure losing the elections and launching Trump TV is a terrible outcome for him. He has very different math than the rest of us. I believe that if he were to, to lose the election and start Trump TV, it would be just a continuation of his absurdity, yes. but on the outside. Yes. And he'll take viewers from Fox that think, you know, and this is the insane thing, right? He's going to take video. He's now at war with Fox News, right? And because Fox won't give him, let dwell in his alternate reality 24-7, he's suggesting people watch OANN and Newsmax and all these other places and, you know, quite frankly, I think what he's going to do is buy OANN when he's done, rename it and rebrand it, 
and we're going to all of a sudden be on the air with Trump TV, and it's going to pull his hardcore 30% with him, the hardcore deplorables with him, and we're going to have just as much conflict and drama because he's going to be programming it every day. What scares me so much right now is the fact that, you know, even with everything anyone can talk about about him, all the negatives, I mean, look at that, this abomination, the way he has handled this COVID-19 crisis in America and the way he continues to handle it every single day should show every American that you have a person in, in the White House that should not be there, should never have been there, and doesn't have a right to be there even one more day. Yet, 33% of this country still backs this idiot. 33%. It's as if that 33% isn't going to go away. And, you know, unfortunately, and it's, well, it's unfortunate to me. I, I, you know, I'm one of those people who have always believed and I want you all to understand me guys, please understand. I am a person who has always believed the glass is half full. I never want to see a glass half empty. I've never said it in my life. That glass has half empty. It's always half full. And I try to make my life out to be that way, but I have been so disheartened in the last couple of weeks by America, you know, I mean, no matter what we do, it seems like there are people who just want to hate, 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 and they are going to back the guy who gives them the right to hate, 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 hate. And that's all that we're, we're, we're living for right now. And to what end, what is the end that these people who hate so much want? You know, the president comes on and says, you know, these people like Tammy Duckworth hate America just because she wants to have a conversation about, you know, whether or not certain monuments should stand or not stand. And there is a there is room for a discussion about monuments. And I'm going to tell you, I believe that this is not as black and white as some people believe that it is. And I'm not saying black and white, meaning black and white uh, as racial issues, but it's not so cut and dry. In some cases, I believe it, in historical perspective, there are some monuments that should stand. Maybe they don't need to stand where they are. Maybe what they should be done is moved into museums. We understand now that there's a Russian oligarch who wants to buy a lot of the some of these, these Confederate ones and move them to a place that he's got in Moscow. Why would a guy want to have a monument to a loser? I just don't understand why we as a country feel it's so important to keep statues up that show losers, statues up that show traitors. When those words run off of the president's, out of the president's mouth so easily, when he calls Black Lives Matters people traitors, when he calls you know service members who lose limbs and leave them in the battlefield traitors, uh, uh, people who hate America. I want to go on, you know, a comment from this article that I was reading earlier from the Military Times. It's deeply personal. It's nauseating. And it's obscene. That's what Congresswoman Duckworth, I'm sorry, Senator Duckworth had to say, said of Trump's muted response to the Russian bounties, which she cast as evidence that the commander in chief doesn't value the well-being of American troops. I think the only thing President Trump cares about is his own re-election and his own well-being. You know, narcissism isn't for me. Narcissism is as real as real can be. And you see how narcissistic this guy is on a daily basis where every single thing that happens is evaluated as a personal affront to him. How the devil do we live in a world where 33% of our population thinks that's normal? And if they do, that means that we got 33% of the population that is just as narcissistic as he is. 
which is really just as scary as can be. Now, of course, there's about 33 to 36% of the country right now who are completely diametrically opposed that hate everything and about him and are working as hard as they can to push for his non-reelection. But there's another 33% that's sitting on the fence. And I'm here to tell you that there is no longer time for the fence. I mean, I know through this whole, you know, last couple of weeks of revolution, of sorry, not revolution, but of, of, you know, demonstrations across the country, there's been a saying that silence equals racism. Well, let me tell you something, sitting on the fence equals support for racism. Those who are going to sit back and not vote in this election are literally saying they don't care. And, you know, there is a group of people in this country who seem to believe that it doesn't really matter who's in office. You know, it's all going to be the same. So why should I bother going out and vote? And I'm telling you, John, I could not be more disgusted with the way that the left or the Democrats are positioning polls and information right now. You know, the positioning of, you know, Trump is, uh, Biden is ahead by 14 points in some places, 12 points on this poll, 13 points on that poll. Stop the BS. Who cares? I don't believe the polls. I think the polls are really just lies in some cases. I think people don't tell the truth to pollsters. We saw that as a fact in 2016, that people were walking out and afraid to say the truth. They didn't want to tell the truth. They didn't want to be answered. They didn't want to be held accountable for what they had to say. So they just said anything they could to get the pollster out of their face. And then they turned around behind the back and voted differently. So I'm not sure if right now is a time that we need to be, you know, flaunting polls that seem to give the impression that people have come to their senses and want Trump out. I think all that does is give that 33% that's out there on the fringes uh, an opportunity to say, well, he's going to lose. People couldn't be that crazy as to put him back in office. Absolutely, they will be that crazy and put that clown in office. It'll be a Wednesday morning, everybody in the country, and a Wednesday morning in November, everybody's going to wake up and go, what? Are you kidding me? What? And it'll be because so many people decided that they believed the polls the day before that seemed to think that, this guy was going to get voted out. I don't buy it. I don't know about you, but what do you think about polls, Don? I'm less um, skeptical of the polling science than I am. You know, I think polls are a sense of uh, a snapshot, snapshot in, in time. And I think right now the coronavirus response is going poorly. A lot of people are out of work. They're having trouble getting unemployment. They don't know where the next dollar is coming from. And the polls aren't good for him, right? If, we have a miraculous cure to coronavirus tomorrow. We're going to, you know, the things are going to be different. I think it's all going to shake out in October and we're going to know for sure. I think it'll be cool. I don't think that we are going to see some sort of, you know, 40 state repudiation of Trump. I, I think it's going to be, I think Biden will win. It's going to be a lot closer. It's going to come right down to the wire. And quite frankly, the biggest gift to Biden I can think of right now is, you know, your home state governor in Florida, where I'm sitting right now, it, it, it is, the failure of leadership is astonishing. And, you know, when the hospitals fill, right, which they're getting close to, eventually everybody's going to know somebody that died, right? Because there are going to be that many dead people. And, you know, he talks about sending nurses to Miami-Dade County. I, I told him on Twitter the other day, I think he's going to need 100 body bags in Miami-Dade. 
And supposedly he's making some big announcement today. I don't know what it would be, but where the hell is the mask mandate? It's, let me tell you something. I, I am completely, I will tell you, so appalled by the behavior of this governor here in Florida. And I'm here. That's where I'm coming to you from, is from Florida today. And I mean, uh, John, I think is completely right. You know, uh, this governor doesn't want to make a mass mandate for the entire state. Yet, and here in Miami, Dade County, you know, the mayor has made it mandatory that you even have a mask on outside. But mm -hmm. I, I walked out this morning to walk my puppy and I saw three people walking by who didn't have a mask on. And, you know, though in the building that I live in, it's required. And I will say that I think there have been pretty, uh, everyone has been pretty compliant in my building that I've seen. But I've also seen people right outside my building in groups of 9, 12, and 13 walking around without mask on. And, you know, unfortunately, I'm not trying to cast aspersions on an individual demographic, but, you know, there are a lot of young people who think that, oh, come on, I heard about it and I heard so-and-so had it. It was nothing more than like a flu. So, you know, it's going to, if I get it, it'll be nothing more than a flu and I'll get over it. No, there are people in their 20s dying. There are people in their 30s dying, dying. Mm -hmm. And those people are taking this virus home to family members and there are family members who are dying. And I think John is absolutely right. You know, down here in Florida, I mean, every single day, I, 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 I got to walk my puppy here in a few more minutes. And I, it, it, it puts a knot in my stomach knowing that I'm going to have to go get on an elevator and go down an elevator. I'm on the 21st floor, go down an elevator, 21 floors. And hopefully the people that get in that elevator will have that mask on. But when I get down there to, to the ground level, I've got to really take a hard look up the street. I'm taking, I'm taking a hard look up a hundred yards up the street in each direction to make sure there's not a person coming because I'm make sure I'm, I pull my mask on and I head in a different direction than that person. And it's because, you know, our numbers are going up every single day. You know, we were, there was a period of time last week where we were seeing, you know, 9,100, 9,400, 9,500, 97, 10,000, 10,005, 10,006, 10,006 cases a day. And the percentage of positive in those cases is around 30%. Now, it was last week around 12 to 15%. Now it's jumped up to 30%. That means that, you know, everywhere I look, there's a potential person who might hurt me. And, you know, I have pre-existing conditions that I have to be worried about. My pre-existing condition, like a lot of you know, is MS. And I've been taking medication now for close to 20 years that compromises my immune system. And, you know, I'm not prepared to go stick myself out there, you know, to, to just come face to face with somebody who may be carrying this virus. Well, I got to tell you, there are still people, though, and, you know, in this article that I was reading you from the Military Times, you know, in the last paragraph, you know, there's there's a, a several people who are military members who say that, you know what, here's, here's one in particular, I'll pick up the article near the very end. Um, you know, this is a woman, you know, we knew this, it's not a secret, said Bush, an Army veteran herself, who has helped comfort nearly 20 families of fallen soldiers. She voted for Trump in 2016 and vowed to do the same thing again, praising his support for the service members and the Veterans Administration. I don't like him as a person. I don't like that personality, Bush said. 
but I think he knows more than he ever lets on. And I'm going to say that maybe when a person doesn't let on about what they know, they don't know it. So, so stop believing that this guy knows more than you think he knows because he doesn't. And stop believing that he cares more than you think he cares because he doesn't. You know, the only reason why the military is something that he enjoys is because he said it very early on in his presidency. He likes the fact that people stand up when he walks in a room and he stands at attention. That's all he likes. He likes the adulation. He likes his pomp and circumstance. He doesn't really give a damn about people in the military. He doesn't care about whether or not the people in the military have bounties on their heads right now. That's the farthest thing from his mind. He could care less. All he wants to make sure is that when he walks in the room, one Russian dude sticks out his hand. That's what he cares about. So I'm out of time today for, you know, another piece of Daily Dose. And I want to thank you all for joining us today and continue to tune in as we give you more and more, I say, background and more and more ways to think about the issues that you face every single day. Thanks again. I'm Montel. Make sure you tune into my other podcast. Also, let's be blunt with Montel. 